Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now-ish. Hey y'all, welcome to Right Nowish. I'm Pendarvis Harshaw. Today, I have the honor of properly introducing you to the producer behind this weekly podcast, Marisol Medina Cadena. After doing some work on the show late last year, Marisol officially stepped into the producer role in January. For today's episode, she'll be your host as she interviews a comedian with some deep East Bay roots. I'm hyped to share the mic with Jackie Kali'i'a'a. She's a stand-up comedian, producer, and writer who puts on for her Urington, Paiute, and Washoe tribal communities. She's a featured performer on the televised special First Nation Comedy Experience, and she's a contributor to the new book, We Had a Little Real Estate Problem, the unheralded story of Native Americans and comedy. Jackie has jokes, Marisol has a great sense of humor, and you, out there, should be prepared. The punchlines are full of facts. But no heckling, okay? Cool. Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com slash parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. So we have an ancestor in my family. The name is Click Click. I said, hey, Dad, why do we call our cousin Click Click? He's like, oh, he had polio. He clicked when he walked. (laughs) This is something that not a lot of people know, but like teasing is a really big, it's a really big thing in the native community, teasing. And you know, just just making fun of people, but it's it's a way that you show love and affection. So like someone else might go, ooh, that was, ah, you know? And I'm like, no, no, this is is how we love each other, (laughs) you know? And so when I get on stage, I, I always mess around with my dad. That's what I do for a lot of my native sets anyway. The other day, I found a gray hair. And I said, Dad, I have a gray hair. And without skipping a beat, he says, that's that white man in you. (laughs) He's like, you're going to age fast and hard. (laughs) What is that like to have your dad in your material? And has he ever been to a show? And he's like, that's great. That's me she's talking about. Or he's like, we got to talk. Oh, no, he's totally into it. Like, I remember my first ever showcase. It was at La Estrellita here in Oakland. And my dad came, like my whole family. It was my first ever showcase. Okay, so this was me doing like a full 10 minutes. And um, and I could just hear him laughing, like real belly laugh. Ha, ha, ha. He has this very distinctive laugh. And I was like, oh, we're good. So I actually moved out of my dad's house 
and into my sister's house, okay? You know, so baby steps, baby steps. We get there. We'll get there. But it's exciting, though. It's so exciting because now I can date, you know? Because before, I couldn't be like, hey, want to come over and watch World War II films with me and my dad? <laughs> In that particular performance, I was, I was talking about sexuality. I was talking about all kinds of things, and it was just a fun way to like, have a talk with my family without having a talk with my family. That's a really cool benefit of, of stand-up is that my family gets to meet me in a different light. I did one time do a joke and I was like, oh, did that go too far? And I called him and I was like, hey, are you cool with that? And he was like, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> so we have a relationship where he would, he would call me out if there was anything wrong. But like I said, it's such the nature of our family dynamic. We make fun of each other a lot. <laughs> so I am a native Hawaiian and native American on my dad's side. Yes. And Portuguese and Italian on my mother's side. So in the lovely state of California, that somehow makes me Mexican. As you're saying it, it's clicking for me. Like comedy, it's helping me to communicate things to my family or friends that I can't otherwise say. Yeah, I can go on stage and I can fabricate these experiences that are kind of rooted in my lived experience. And it's kind of like an opportunity to talk about something with them after the show. Absolutely. I think it is important to think about it also as a space where you can unpack stuff. My my teacher would always say, you know, wait until you've processed it. Wait until you've worked through it. Because the last thing you want to do is like gut yourself on stage for the sake of a laugh. And then you just feel naked and vulnerable. And, you know, go to therapy, basically. Like, go to therapy. <laughs> I was engaged and I had a really crappy <laughs> breakup. It took me five years to be able to talk about that on stage. Like I like was processing. Uh, but I had an interesting day. My account got compromised and I had to reset all of my security questions. Uh, the first question was, what is your husband's middle name? And the second question was, in what city was your first child born? And the third question was, why aren't you married, bitch? <laughs> There's a societal pressure as women to get the dude and then have the kid and then do the house and all this stuff. And I realized that had a huge influence on why I decided, you know, getting engaged. And so the mission is to make you laugh. But as an after effect, there's someone in the audience going, cool, she got through it. I don't need to end up in the situation that I don't feel necessarily feels right for me. And so you might get engaged and shit. It's a successful engagement in that it did not end in marriage. You know, you're a comedian with a TV appearance. Not every comedian can say that. You know, did young Jackie always want to be a comedian or, or how did this happen? When I was 18, I moved to Berkeley, did my undergrad at Cal, and I would see folks doing theater things, but I was never a theater kid. I never thought of myself as that. And, uh, but had always flirted with the idea of, of comedy and stand-up and humor. And I, ah, no, it's not for me. That's for everybody else, that's not for me. And then in 2005, for Native American Heritage Month, Charlie Hill, the godfather of Native comedy, performed on campus, and it was the coolest thing. Usually I have problems doing my act, you know, because I uh, know a lot of you white people never seen an Indian do stand-up comedy before, you know. Like for so long, you probably thought that Indians never had a sense of humor, you know. We never thought you were too funny either. I remember after I had a chance to talk with him and got his autograph and 
And I was like, how do you do this? Like, aren't you nervous? And he was like, yeah, I'm nervous, but you're just feeling the crowd's energy. My people are from Wisconsin. We used to be from New York. We had a little real estate problem. <laughs> he was like, when you don't feel their energy, that's when you, that's when things aren't going to work out. He was like, so as long as you feel that, you're good. You know, there was a pivotal point in my life. I lost my mother in 2010, and uh, I had just started grad school in New York. I was getting a master's in urban planning from Columbia. And so when I came back that summer, back to the Bay, I was like, all right, we're going to do this. And there was a ladies' night, and it was at the Brainwash, and I went up and I did my first five minutes, and I was hooked. And I was like, okay, this is, this is it. Do you think your mom would have been proud of you to know that you you pursued comedy or you just kind of gave it your all? She never got a chance to see me do stand-up. There's a little part of me that's sad, but she also raised me to be this very strong and fierce woman, so it's all her imprint. The things that I say and what I do on stage and how I stand up for women and how I prioritize women of color and how I cultivate community through comedy, that's all stuff that I've taken her lessons and cultivated that for my own career. I'm curious to know your thoughts about talking about really challenging, difficult things, but finding the laugh in it. It's like a guttural laugh because you're like, oh, snap, like that hits because it's truth and we don't talk about it. Colonization, genocide, land, uh, land theft all happened. And um, it's just a fact and it's a reality that I'm aware of. So for me, it's not like necessarily difficult to talk about, but I know it's difficult for the audience to absorb. And um, it's fun for me because I like to poke, <laughs> I like to mess with that audience. Like one of the jokes that I was like really proud of writing was about Lake Tahoe. Yes, Lake Tahoe is beautiful, right? We can all agree on that. Yes, yes. Lake Tahoe is the ancestral homeland of my people, the Washoe people. So during the winter, when you're skiing the slopes of Squaw Valley, just know that you're desecrating the sacred lands of my ancestors. You know, and it's the best. And I usually point at a white man in the front and I'm like, <laughs> you got a season pass. You know, like it's the funnest thing because it's a way to remind you, yeah, this shit was stolen. Yeah, I love Lake Tahoe, but guess what? I can't afford a rental on the mm. beachfront. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. you you need to know these things. You need to know that this is where we're from. This should be for us. It's not just white people. It's everybody. It's anyone who participates in this American dream you know it's like we all have to acknowledge the land where you know on which we stand i wanted to have you talk a little bit about the chapter that you contributed to the newly published book titled we had a little real estate problem the unheralded story of native americans in comedy your chapter is about your roots in the east bay its richness but also how the urban native community came to be there was an Indian relocation that happened. It was about disinvesting Native people from their lands, let's be real. But it was like this program like, hey, is the reservation not doing it for you economically? It was built not to do it for you economically. But they were like, is that happening? Here's a ticket. Go to an urban hub in the country. We'll get you a job. We'll get you a place to stay. And you can like learn new trades and get jobs. And so once that happened, just flocks of native folks came from all over the country. For all these people who are not used to cities, first off, a lot of these folks are from straight rural ass places and brought them to the cities. If you don't know your way and you're not fluent, you could get caught up in something. The housing was terrible <laughs> that they got. The jobs weren't great. Sometimes, you know, they had their one-way ticket and they got here and 
the stuff that they were promised didn't come through. Surprise, a federal program. <laughs> so you had a time in the East Bay and particularly in Oakland and San Francisco where there were just natives of all nations everywhere. And so my dad grew up in that environment. So they had dances and they had what was called the Four Winds Club in downtown Oakland. And my grandfather, huge into sports. And so my dad played all the Indians um, sports league. Yeah, I think an unintended consequence of this program that was really trying to assimilate indigenous culture ended up having the reversal effect because essentially government put all these native folks together and they were like, hey, let's learn from each other. Let's like grow this community. And, and now you have descendants who are still living in these urban places and still carrying on their culture that their family passed down, but also inventing new ones too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fact that I can make jokes with my friends, my, I have, there's a ton of awesome comics that are featured in this book, by the way, that everyone should follow. <laughs> and we relate so heavily to all of our jokes, even though we're all from different backgrounds. Like we're, we're different tribes. We have different experiences in terms of urban versus rural versus whatever it might be, suburban even, <laughs> you know, and, and it's kind of like, we all have this, there's just something special about the fact that we can relate on so many levels and also simultaneously be so unique and so different in the way that we've been raised and, and how we are. And I think um, I'm just really, I'm just really proud of this book because it's spotlighting so many amazing comics and writers that I, I want the world to see them and to know the work they do. You know, the visibility has always been a big problem in Indian, like for, for native folks, people even knowing we exist in the first place, mm -hmm. we always have the burden of like proving, Hey, we're here. And so it's exciting to have a book. That's like a Rolodex essentially. Well, thank you so much. This has been really fruitful and incredible and funny. That was Right Now-ish producer Marisol Medina-Cadena talking to the hilarious, truth-speaking Jackie kelly e -A -A. Jackie told us she's busy writing scripts for TV pilots that will hopefully get the green light. To keep up with Jackie kelly e -A -A and all the projects she has in the works, follow her on the gram and on Twitter at Jackie Comedy. That's Jackie spelled J-A-C-K-I-E. Now for the show credits. Drum roll, please. Our editor, Jessica Plachik. Our engineer, Seal Muller. The engagement team, Jacqueline Carbajal, Lena Blanco, Kiana Mogadam, and Sarah Pineda. KQD execs are Erica Aguilar, David Marcus, and Holly Kern. I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, back in the host seat next week. Until then, peace. I'm just convinced that when I perform for the first time, like on the other end of this that I'm just going to like pass out being so happy. Like it's just going to be like system overload. You know? yes. <laughs> too much, too much joy. Right Nowish is a KQED production. A young correctional officer. He said it was the most dangerous prison in California. Forced to make a choice. Fulfill his oath or back his fellow officers. Recognize the badge of my office. I'm Suki Lewis. From KQED Podcasts comes On Our Watch Season 2, New Folsom. A story about who gets hurt when the system that promises to keep us safe is bent on protecting itself. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it. 
we need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives. On Pod Save America, me and my co-host cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, Pod Save America is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh, cry, and snap our laptops in half. Expensive year for laptops. Make sure to check out new episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel now.